sake. What's up, everybody, and welcome to the FFS podcast. I'm your host, Braddy, and this is episode 24, part 30. Yeah, we finally made it to the last part of episode 24. Uh, I know January has 31 days, but we essentially started on the 2nd of January, and that means we'd only have 30 parts so far. And yeah, I- I'm sorry if this is going to be probably a couple of days after January ended, and that's because of certain scheduling conflicts. But here we are nonetheless, and I wanted to get this over the line. Um, and today's part is going to be slightly different because I don't have a guest with me uh, on today's part. Rather, it's going to be a long monologue of me talking about how, you know, this particular whole special episode has been. So it's basically a recap of what different people have thought about different clubs uh, across for the past decade. And I mean, welcome back to those of you who've been listening all the way from part one. I mean, thank you for sticking sticking with us for 30 parts. And for those of you who have just joined us, I definitely recommend you go back to part one and, you know, listen to the entire special episode. It's obviously a lot of fun with different opinions. But since you're here, I'll give you a brief introduction of how this special episode had been structured. So essentially, throughout the month of January, I had hosted a whole load of guests who were basically fans of various clubs from across the world. And we got their thoughts and insights on various topics of their choice. So like managers, transfer windows, management, players, you know, anything that they'd want to talk about regarding their club, regarding or pertaining to their club from the past decade or even from past uh, from the last year. And at the end of each podcast part, or uh, I've asked my guests what their favorite memories were, not only from last year, but from the past decade, because we are in 2020, and as well as what their expectations are going forward. And so talking about today's topic, or rather the recap of what's happened, I just want to ask, so I mean, what's happening, right? Like, the decades gone by and so what's what's it been like for some of these clubs and so from various fans i've had various different responses which is great because not everyone's been on the same page uh, so let me start off by with probably the two biggest clubs in the english league which are manchester united and arsenal uh they've over the past decade it's not been the best of times for them i know manchester united won the Last the league title last in 2012-2013, which was the start of the last decade. But since then, I mean, the past seven or eight years have not been great for either of the teams. Uh, they've essentially, I mean, Arsenal and Manchester United were known to be, you know, battling it out for English, uh, English the English league's top prizes like the Premier League or uh, the FA Cup and all of that. But for the past two to three years, they've kind of been battling it out for a different trophy, and that is like the Banter Club uh, trophy, which is essentially, you know, one club trying to outdo the other in terms of how bad or hor- horrible their decisions have been. And I mean, there hasn't been an outright winner. I would say it varies from month to month or even year to year. Uh, Arsenal sure had it for the first cup, first few years of the decade, and then. I mean, obviously, towards Wenger last year, I mean, they did decently, but, you know, and they at that point, I think it was Jose Mourinho who was managing United and they had a couple of trophies there. So, you know, it's been back, back and forth. Then Oli came in and things weren't working out well. You know, Arsenal was still doing okay. They got to the Europa League final. But yeah, so in a, in a nutshell, not the best of decades for Manchester United nor Arsenal, but they haven't been trophyless so, as compared to some clubs. But 
Yeah, uh, they've completely dropped standards, which is probably the biggest testament to, you know, or the biggest statement you can make with pertaining to these two clubs. And we move on to, you know, the we, let's move on to Tottenham. Uh, we've got a few thoughts from Tottenham fans and who said that, you know, it's one of the best decades they've had in their recent history, given that they were a mid-table club to now. I mean, they had a few years where they were potentially challenging for the Premier League. They made it to the Champions League final last year. So it was okay. But, you know, last year was quite kind of a ended in on bad terms with Pochettino getting the sack. And Jose Mourinho, for what all he's done, uh, there's a lot of uncertainty going in there. So, yeah, I mean, if you ask a Tottenham fan, they'd be happy or pleased with how the deck has been. But... You know, the lack of funding uh, into the club in terms of getting new players to build a squad depth good enough to battle on all fronts has been disappointing. They really haven't had the backing, probably because, like we spoke about earlier, that they had the new stadium to build, which is world-class and probably one of the best stadiums in England. And so, that's where we left Spurs at. Chelsea and Manchester City have been... Probably the biggest success stories of the past decade. Um, I think Chelsea have won the most number of trophies in the past decade, which is crazy because their managers have been chopped and changed quite regularly. Like we spoke to a Chelsea fan and he said that, you know, it's probably an anomaly that a club that chops and changes their managers quite regularly has finally been able to uh, I mean, a club that does has had that kind of a success. I mean, it's short term, sure, but you've managed to win trophies, you know, um, not, I wouldn't say successive years, but at least, you know, alternative years or whatever. So, uh, even with last year when Sari was getting a lot of criticism and a lot of, uh, you know, flack for the style of play, they still managed to win the Europa League and get to the League Cup final. So, there has been success there. And Manchester City, I mean, what can be said since 2010, since the oil money has been flowing in, Pep Gu- uh, I mean, Manchester City has just been winning trophy after trophy after trophy. And especially now with Pep Guardiola at the helm, it's been even more dominant over the past couple of years. Uh, they've won the domestic travel. They've won two, uh, the first team after a while to win back-to-back Premier League titles. And that too, so dominantly. I mean, the first time they'd won with 100-odd points. And the second, yes, has probably taken a toll on them, beating Liverpool or pipping Liverpool by a point uh, last year. But still, 98 points. And so, I mean, that's where it's left them off this year. Probably they've dropped a level or two uh, since the last couple of years. And probably because how how last year, you know, that whole title challenge that Liverpool put on them, which was winning match after match, probably took a toll on them. And this... I mean, they, I don't think they spent too much too, on too many players when they spent a lot, but they haven't spent on too many players in the transfer window in the in the summer, and they needed like a centre back uh, to replace Vincent Company and un- the unfortunate injury to Emre Laporte, and so that's where you know we le- left Manchester City, the current Premier League champions, and we move on to Liverpool, who are now the table toppers, and I mean. If you told any Liverpool fan at the start of the decade that this is where they'd be, they wouldn't have believed you, given that, you know, Liverpool were under administration. And so many Liverpool fans have now, you know, if I ask them what they want to talk about, it's obviously going to be about how Jurgen Klopp's come in and changed the whole 
the whole club from being you know doubters and you know never thinking that they'd win the premier league title despite their usual chance of next year is our year or this is our year and so yeah i mean what great testament to the man than you know to win the best coach of the year and you know getting all the plaudits from ex manager from ferguson himself and like yeah i mean we seeing all the fruits being born of how good the ma- when things are at the top how good it can be even on the pitch the recruitment has been brilliant we spoke about that as well yet you know there is this there are there is a little bit of toxicity uh, surrounding the club especially from other fans who kind of claim that either the league that this year is not up to par or you know that the var has helped liverpool a lot at the season so you know that's where we left that's where we leaving liverpool right now t- table toppers i think 22 points clear by the time this video this podcast comes out and yeah i mean to all liverpool fans what a time to be alive and enjoy this moment because we can see from the other clubs sometimes if things don't go your way it can all turn in an instant um so <clears throat> before we move on to the other leagues we also spoke about var and how much of an, an issue it's been in terms of consistency i mean we spoke at length about how you know it if done right we are var can be an asset but you know it, there's a lot of issues to be sorted out before that can be said whether it is to do with the rules uh whether it is to do with the premier league referees themselves having to be informed correctly and you know having to be to have a you know meeting amongst themselves to get rid of all these inconsistencies in decisions especially with regards to you know handball and penalties so yeah so that's where we've left or that's where we left the english premier league and now if we move on to la liga i mean barcelona and real madrid the biggest two clubs in world football and we spoke about i mean obviously when it came to barcelona we spoke about lionel messi and how much of a and influence he's been over the past decade i mean cristiano ronaldo and lionel messi have basically dominated this past decade in terms of performances player performances i mean they've won the i think apart from luka modric they've won all of the ballon d'ors and all of the individual awards that you could win and that's testament to how great they've been as well as i mean ronaldo's led uh, madrid to i think four out of the six uh years in the champions league they won four champions league finals and for messi to win i think I, i'm not sure how many la ligas but they've clearly been the dominant side in the league i think only remitted one two three times in the past decade but apart from that it's been predominantly barcelona i know atletico madrid had a year or so but <clears throat> yeah uh so that's where we I mean Barcelona began the year with such dominance 2011 is probably the best year in recent memory of how good a team can be 2015 with MSN uh, Messi Suarez and Neymar was another highlight especially that comeback against PSG but over the past couple of years they failed to do to kind of recreate that magic in European football when they've lost or they've bottle 3-0 victories or 3-0 leads in the Champions League knockout stages to Roma and then Liverpool uh 
with the latter probably being the biggest upset to them uh because they wouldn't have thought they could have done the same thing twice so in consecutive years and yeah i mean barcelona also managed to sack their manager ernesto valverde because of possibly poor performances in the champions league as well as in the league this year they've not had the best of performances also to attribute to that is like the mess that is the transfer window they haven't had a clear plan in terms of who they're going to succeed in which position they bought griezmann they sold neymar they bought a whole bunch of players like kevin prince boateng and alex song who essentially were kind of wouldn't be you know barcelona type players and you wonder where the decisions were being made and how they were being made uh if you move on to real madrid you know they kind of focused or rather zidane focused on you know the champions league rather than the la liga i think he knew that the la liga was a little difficult given that his players were not in the shape to kind of battle it out for a 38 game season whereas they were okay i mean he had cristiano ronaldo who could pull up his socks and <clears throat> drag the team throughout the knockout stages of the ucl so yeah i mean uh that's where we kind of spoke about real madrid and barcelona with their fans I and mean, we then spoke to uh, a juventus fan about their dominance over the past decade in syria and he spoke about how they got managers right at each time not only the managers but they managed to get some key players at cheap prices who worked out for them with them or for them rather uh throughout the entire decade uh like perlo and you know now they've got dibala and all these guys and now they've got even cristiano ronaldo on their team and so <clears throat> yeah it was a little disappointing that they couldn't win a champions league despite getting to the finals twice but uh as the fan mentioned that you know they made it to i mean they were probably facing better opposition in barcelona and real madrid you know but with cristiano ronaldo now at juventus uh, there is a chance that maybe they will get rid of that hudu and win one finally after that we moved to the bundesliga and we spoke to a couple of bayern fans who uh, were basically focusing on how you know managers are uh, how the managers were and what kind of style they brought and again it's similar to the chelsea model very short term vision but they've been very successful especially in the bundesliga uh and even in europe they've had their few chances and you know talking to them you did feel that they've been hard done by especially against real madrid in those two uh champions league semi finals if i want to say yeah um so by refereeing decisions so yeah i mean and obviously last year hasn't worked out well with niko kovac seemingly uh, oblivious to uh, how good bayern munich are and he was kind of not sure of how how to play his best 11 so and that's always a problem with any manager if they don't know their best 11 it's a recipe for disaster and i think they lost to liverpool in the champions league at least the manner of defeat not more the result but the way they lost and niko kovac's kind of comments after that were that's what kind of drove fans to their last straw or i mean that's it that that was it for them they couldn't take more of him 
and he eventually got the sack. And they're kind of back in a building phase right now with Honda Hansi Flick. And it's probably a matter of time before they get someone, you know, more notable, someone more big to take over the club. Uh, but yeah, I mean, the Bundesliga and La Liga basically kind of been the more entertaining of the leagues this year. Uh, a lot of teams fighting it out. It's not been a two-horse or one-horse race there. So, definitely exciting times. And, I mean, we kind of, towards the end of the podcast uh, episode, we spoke about with a couple of Indian football fans, uh, kind of gauging where Indian football was at, because it's something closer to all of our hearts, given that we were, we were most of us, or most of them, most of us who have been on the podcast ha- are uh, were born there. So, um, definitely closer to home there. But, I mean, we spoke about how nascent the entire uh, Indian football uh, environment is, how, you know, there's still room for development, lots more room for development. And the ISL, we spoke about the Indian Super League and how well it's done to kind of get the attention of football fans uh, to watch the game because it's predominantly a cricket-dominated society there in the country. And, I mean... We spoke about in great lenses as to how, you know, partnerships with foreign clubs would help at least not, if not get opportunities abroad, but, you know, kind of understand and learn from these foreign clubs of as on different styles of play to implement. And maybe that would help us or help the Indians in, you know, international competitions where they have done decent, but have struggled when it comes to, you know, op- little tougher oppositions. And same goes with women football. It's at a very uh, initial stage, beginner stage, amateur stage. You know, there aren't clear-cut styles of play. It's just, I mean, there's still a lot more room for development. It's now only that they've started a women's league. You know, the federation has to still uh, accept that women can play football in that society. It's a lot to do with culture over there. Not many people give women a chance to play sports. and so. Uh, I mean, there have been positive strides made to both the men's and women's game in India. And it's going to be interesting to see, you know, how it goes on from this decade onwards, whether we'll see more of a structured structured league for women's football and even for men's football to, you know, they're merging the old I-League with the ISL. And, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how fans of the you know, status quo, take it, whether they like the change or whether it's just going to be a whole load of chaos because there's a lot of money involved in in all of that. So, yeah, definitely exciting times. So, I mean, so that's basically the recap for this entire podcast episode. I hope you had fun and I hope you under, like, took away, took from all of it a lot, um, especially... You know, Indian football, not many people know about it apart unless you watch it regularly. And I was such a person who, I mean, I, I, hadn't, I hadn't watched Indian football and now I've started to. So it's definitely been interesting to watch those games. Uh, very different from the European style football. Uh, but I mean, it's, I hope that you've been, it's, uh, it's been informative to you. I hope you've got, you've taken from it a lot in terms of, you know, what fans think. I've had different fans from different clubs and different parts of the world talking about it and talking about how they, you know, the whole point about this podcast was to kind of get the fans to talk about how, you know, 
fans of basically who wake up and who stay awake till late hours of the morning to watch their favorite teams play because not everyone can be not everyone has has a luxury to watch uh, football matches over the weekend at like at 7:30 p.m. and everything this sometimes because of the you know time difference it can go up to all the way to 3 a.m. or even midnight so yeah i hope this podcast episode's been great i can't wait to you know hear back from all of you hear the feedback uh, i mean some of the feedback i've heard is quite positive uh, but we'd love to have more fans on to this podcast and get more opinions because at the end of the day your opinion is what matters and yeah i mean i hope you've had fun uh, this is me signing off for episode 24 and that is the end of the special episode i hope you've had fun so thanks again for those of you who tuned in all the way from part 1 and those of you who've just tuned in as well welcome to the ffs podcast uh, don't forget to leave a like you know rate us you can let us know whether you want to be a part of the podcast too you can also follow us on various podcast platforms like apple apple podcast google podcast spotify anchor and you can also follow us on twitter i guess that's it for episode 24 part 30 i'm your host pradi once again and see you